I invite you to turn in a portion of the New Testament today as we wrap up the uh, Advent series, I guess, uh, focusing upon the person of Christ. We've used some Old Testament, some New Testament, so today we're going to come to the New Testament portion in Luke chapter 2, a portion of which was read earlier, you know, about the, the shepherds and the angels and and those those kinds of things. Um, we're going to go a little bit further. And in uh, verse 25 of Luke 2, we read the following. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seventy had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Um, I, don't, I don't know how often we reflect upon the characters of Christmas, the players in the divine drama that's being worked out, but in this case, it deals with two older people. And I realize that uh, at this Christmas season, we often talk about Christmas. Oh, I think there's even a song, Christmas was made for children, children like you and me. And so we, 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 it, 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 it is more meaningful that I've, I've had discussions with older people who are, who are tired of Christmas and say, it's okay, it's for the kids. It's for the kids. And I, I understand what they're, what they're saying. Uh, Perhaps for many of them, <clears throat> all the wonder of Christmas is worn off. And they don't need anything, and they don't need another something. Uh, they are pretty much just uh, satisfied with where things are at. Um, I hope I never get too old that I will miss the wonder of Christmas, however that works. The wonder you see maybe in the eyes of 
children, grandchildren, whatever it may be, um, whatever the relationship is there, um, watch the eyes, watch the eyes. They tell a lot. Um, the wrappings, the gifts, squeals of delight, and that's great. But to me, Christmas in the eyes. Uh, uh, when we do our Christmas gift exchanges of family and our herd gathers together, I, 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 I get very quiet. I don't say a lot. I just sit and watch people. I watch how uh, things uh, excite them and bring them to life and the delight of that. And uh, at times, young people can just kind of be childlike, hopefully not childish, but childlike, and uh, not worry about trying to maintain image. Um, older people sometimes are just kind of stuck in a corner uh, and just have to endure or maybe tolerate the, the, the things, the activities. Some people get bothered by that. I, let it roar, you know. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm up for that. So, but I've always been intrigued about these characters in the scripture. These two older people, and while Christmas may be geared more for children in our day with all of the commercialism of things, um, I'd like to learn something a bit more from these older people. I, I guess in, in the case of Anne, at least you know how old was old. 84, and I don't know where you fall on the spectrum. Some of you are far from that. Some are closer than you ever thought you would be. Some, uh, well, I won't even go to the next level. But at any rate, uh, uh, 84 is a good old age. And uh, particularly in, in that time and era, it would be unusual, you know, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be typical. So I want to look at some of the older people, Simeon and Anna in particular. There are a couple things that just kind of stand out to me from the account. And uh, so let me, let me just point out a few of those things. And it dealt with, uh, by and large, their heart. You know, what, what was in them? What was where their heart was like? You, you, you find out about some of this stuff in the story. Simeon and Anna come, first of all, with a prepared heart, a prepared heart. There's a word for you. We sing in the chorus, in the song, a joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. So the prepared heart is an important piece. Theirs is a heart of expectation, not knowing when the surprise or the serendipity of God is going to jump out at them. And I hope that you leave some margin in your Christmas season to watch for those surprises, those kind of like, ooh, or aha kinds of moments, or whoa, that's nice. And it can, it can come in a gift exchange kind of thing. It can come in, in other settings, uh, special events and programs, those kinds of things. The descriptions of Anna and Simeon are interesting. Simeon is described uh, from the scripture as a person who is righteous, he is devout. He is waiting for the consolation of Israel. And he is a man who is anointed as well. The Spirit of God was upon him. Um, 
while we, we've been working in the book of Acts, and I really will get back to that after first of the year, I promise, okay? Uh, one more week, Sunday, this next Sunday, I'm going to do a little different direction, kind of like an over, just kind of anticipation of the year to come. But uh, on the first Sunday of, of January, we'll get back into Acts chapter 7 and 8 on the character of Stephen. Anyway, so I, I don't know how it all works. We know from the study in the book of Acts that there was this event called Pentecost when the Spirit descended upon the people, and uh, they had prepared for that, and then the Spirit of God came. Uh, but this is pre-Pentecost. Uh, this, 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 this particular window of time is an interesting one because for too long a time, for quite a while, 400 years, there had been this silent period where there was little activity going on. And uh, God, it seemed like the heavens were brass. They were, God didn't have a whole lot to say. Had the message of the prophets, you know, minor prophets, major prophets, all that kind of thing. And, and then just this big gap of time. But as, as the Luke 2 passage points out, you know, and, and the, the early narrative of, of the birth of Christ, there's God begins to stir some things. He stirs in Zechariah and Elizabeth. He, he reveals himself to Mary, reveals himself to Joseph. And so there's some unusual serendipity kind of stuff going on. And so it, 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 to describe Simeon's righteous and devout may not be so much of a big deal, but that he, the Holy Spirit was upon him, was anointed, uh, and it began to stir in his heart is a wonderful description, and that probably enabled him to be prepared for the next thing that was going to happen, which was here's this mother and father bringing this baby in, and and you had promised me this, and in you know, so there's this anticipation, if you will, in, in terms of their his expectation. But he had a prepared heart. God was working on him. Anna was very similarly described. Down in, in verse uh, 37, uh, as I recall, there was a widow. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. So she was committed to the body uh, of the Jewish people. She worshipped night and day, and she fasted and prayed. And I suppose if you're looking for good qualities for older people, none of those things are too bad. They're all pretty good qualities. Uh, in our day, we might not find a lot of those qualities listed in, in older people. They, they're, they get to a point and then they retire and say, oh, good, now I can enjoy my life or I can spend my leisure days in doing this, that, or the other. But we don't often hear about older people who are committed to be devout and righteous, anointed, committed to the body of Christ, fasting, praying. But those are all positive qualities, but that was the heart preparation that enabled them, I believe, to get ready for the coming of the Christ as he revealed himself to them. So they come with a prepared heart. Um, someone asked, uh, are you ready for Christmas uh, to me a while ago? And I said, ready or not, here it comes, you know, kind of thing, you know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm about as ready we baked all the cookies, and we, we, we we're going to transport them. And I've got gifts for the grandkids and gifts for the children and spouses. I've, I've got we've got all that stuff set in place, so I've prepared for that. And I was talking with my daughter yesterday next door. I said, is there anything that you know of that we need to bring to go to Pittsburgh? And uh, her response was, talk to your other daughter. 
Krista, uh, and, and check with her. And uh, so we'll try to find out if there's any other things. That, but you do all of this stuff in terms of preparation. We, we've, got, we've got bags set out around the little Christmas tree in our house that, that are transport bags. And they have gifts in them, and so we'll haul those. We'll put those in the van, and then I got to make sure I take my book bag. And I, I just, you prepare for that, you know. We're going to do a, we're going to do a, a, a mystery thing. Uh, I get, I don't know. If, yeah, it's a murder mystery. I don't, that may not be. Uh, so I don't do real good at those things, but I'm, I'm some kind of Hawaiian dressed shirt guy that that is a is a biotech whiz or something and and we got to figure out who done it you know so we're going to have several of those things going on with with uh, the other family members and so uh, I got in the mail the other day I got my the, the the invitation that describes a character and and what's going to happen on Mystic Island the murder on Mystic Island so I got to do my prep. So I got to get a, I got to get a, a camera, uh, and uh, get my Hawaiian shirt. I'm borrowing that since I don't have any of those anymore. And uh, so I, I have to do all that preparation in order to participate in that particular event with the family. So you make preparations. I hope we leave enough margin in our Christmas season to prepare our hearts to make room for Him. And I don't know how it works for you. Uh, I, I don't know what I find each year will be a little bit different. But but I want you to be intentionally looking for the serendipity, the surprise of God that He has for you at this Advent season. But these older people knew what it was to come with a prepared heart. That's one of the qualities. The second quality. Simeon and Anna come with a seeking heart. There's a description in terms of another adjective. They are searching for fulfillment of a divine promise. Verses 26 said that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. I don't know. We don't know the time when we get to exit this earth. We don't normally have control over that kind of thing. Um, and there may be some things that you are hoping for before exit time occurs. Uh, maybe there are promises. Maybe there are hopes. Maybe there are dreams for you. Here, for for uh, Simeon, it had been revealed that by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Um, and so he was a person who had something to look forward to. He was looking for something. I don't know how that would work, coming into the temple, you know, if, if you just kind of sit down and trust that God will bring that person to you. Or, 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 or do you... Do you look? Do you look? It says here, seeking, seeking hard. Kind of, kind, of, kind of puts me in mind of the, of the, the parable of the loving father and kind a of prodigal son thing. And the, the loving father is looking and hoping that that son will show up at some point. And then the scriptures say in Luke 15 that when he saw him a long distance away, he was watching, he was seeking, he was looking for his son. 
in, in uh, verse 38 regarding Anna, it says, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God, uh, coming up to them. So uh, I, I think that these older people were looking for something. They had prepared their heart in terms of the character of them, but they were looking for something in terms of what God had promised to them and would give to them, and they had to keep their eyes wide open. Um, so they, they were looking for the fulfillment of that divine promise. I, I don't know if there are things that you have had the whispers of God for in your own heart that are, are things that you believe God has promised you. Maybe it's for the salvation of a sort of a wandering family member. Maybe it's maybe it's for some kind of assurance of provision for a family member or someone should you exit this world. I, I don't know what those things are all about for you, but for these two, they came with that seeking heart for a divine promise that God had given to them. They were also searching for an answer for divine direction. Verse 27 described it, moved by the Spirit. For Simeon, he went into the temple courts. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. <laughs> Excuse me. In, in this Advent season, you're going to connect with a lot, of, a lot of people, maybe family or friends, um, and, and you're going to have your eyes open and, and keep, keep aware of what's going on around you. And you're going to be looking for uh, maybe some things, maybe areas of need you can help address it. It may be words of com comfort or encouragement that you can be brought to that. Uh, those family or friends, there may there will be that sense of divine direction God is going to give to you. But it's all dependent upon the prepared heart and a heart that is really seeking after God, who will seek after Him. Um, one of the tragedies of our day is that we are looking for all kinds of things, but we're looking for all kinds of things that aren't really going to be eternal and profitable in terms of the long term and the big picture of things. We, we, get, we get tied into things, presents that we wrap or gifts that we give or whatever it may be. We get, we get so anchored into that that we forget about the more important things about people and things of eternal consequence. Simeon and Anna, both as older people, um, have a heart that's prepared and a heart that's looking for something. So, so what are you looking for? What are you looking for this Christmas? Are you looking for something under a tree? Some people are. You're looking for something that will come from work, maybe a bonus or some kind of gift or something. People are. What are we seeking for? What are you looking for? And when we look for the Christ in this Advent season, it is amazing what God does to disclose him anew and afresh. You may see him from a different perspective. I mentioned last week that we had gone down to uh, Virginia and uh, visited our granddaughter's church and, and uh, attended their Christmas event kind of thing, Christmas at, at uh, the name, name of the church, Christian Life or whatever. And it, it was not something we were ready for. We, were, we weren't prepared for that. We weren't thinking, you know, 
we, we were thinking it might be something like this, although we didn't know it, but we expected it would be a little bit more normal, you know. But but then this thing came out of the out of a whole different direction. It was almost upsetting and, and, and disconcerting and, and, and like, what does this have to do with Christmas? But we, but we lost sight of the fact that that part of the program was intended to create that very sense of disruption or confusion or misfocus on all kinds of other things. And, and thankfully, there was a resolution so that when we came with our hearts preparing to get something from Christmas, looking for something from Christmas, that 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 story was able to be turned with the Luke 2 story and with some other portions of Scripture that came in and just kind of resolved things very well, what we were looking for. Now, I'm, I'm not done looking. Uh, I, there are some other things I'm hoping for. I'm, we're, in theory, I think we're heading to Pittsburgh the day before Christmas and uh, we'll attend with our daughter and son, uh, and, uh, sorry, son and daughter-in-law, uh, at the uh, particular church in Pittsburgh uh, that we have great regard for, uh, for their Christmas Eve service, and I suspect it's going to be wonderful. It will be something that I'll be more expecting when I'm uh, thinking that it ought to be a Christmas Eve kind of thing. So, but I've always, in in opportunity to attend that particular church, I've always found when I get there, God has ways of just showing up to encourage my heart. I have yet to go into that church where it seems like I haven't been reduced to a puddle of tears in terms of God showing up and just ministering to me at that point. So I'm looking forward to that. And, and yet I'm not convinced that maybe that's all. It may be something else that God has along the way. And I'll keep my eyes open for it to seek his promise and direction to me. One final quality about Simeon and Anna that comes clear through the story is that they come with a thankful heart, a thankful heart. So we've talked about prepared heart, seeking heart, thankful heart. And so the language of verse 28 of the, of the story is that Simeon took him, this child, in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace. For I've seen what you've promised, your salvation which you've prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And he marveled, the the children's parents marveled at what was said about him. Um, They thank God for salvation in the sight of all people, verses 30 and 31. I don't know. I suspect it's preaching to the choir here a bit uh, about this whole issue of being thankful for the unspeakable gift. 2 Corinthians 9, it talks about the unspeakable gift that we have in Christ. And, and, and so certainly thanks, thanking God for the salvation that he's provided for us is important, re- regardless of the, the presence or not presence that you receive or don't receive. Be grateful that God has provided a way for you, and even if the even if Christmas is slim pickings, uh, be grateful for what God has done for you. It's not in the abundance of things and presents. Be grateful for what God has provided in salvation. Thanking God for salvation, thanking God for light to the Gentiles. Uh, that's 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 the coming of truth. The, 
coming of the opening up of the heart, the illumination of the mind. I remember one uh, story that was told of a philosopher, a German philosopher named Goethe. Goethe. It's spelled G-O-E-T-H-E. It's, it should be Goethe. But Goethe, however they get that, it's like, it's like uh, how do you get Dvorak out of Dvorak? You know, I, I don't understand how that, but that's beside the point. But the point is, Goethe, as he was dying, a philosopher that he was, didn't have a lot of room for God in his outlook on life. And yet his closing prayer was, was uh, uh, mere lick, uh, more light, more light. He longed for more light along the way. And yet the message of the gospel is Christ has come, and we thank God for the light that has come. Uh, verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. Thanking God for light. Thanking God for his glory, for his people Israel, that that, that he that Jesus, Jesus came as the Messiah of God who was foretold of old. You can go back and look at all the Old Testament prophecies and an anticipation of this one that was to come. And he comes in order that the glory of Israel will be of fully displayed that, that God is doing a work among his people and his greater glory and fame and name will be will be displayed and, and propelled and, and de- declared to all people. Um, I, I believe that God has still got some work to do for the people of Israel, but as the as the new Israel, if you will, the church, he still has some work to do to display his glory, not mine, not yours, his glory for his for the people in the watching world around him. And then thanking God for redemption. That's very similar to the salvation piece. Verse 38b talks about that he was, he spoke of, we're looking forward to the, the peace with, uh, with Anna. We're looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. I suspect for, for a fair number of the people, uh, when they start talking about what God was doing, uh, they're, they're hoping that there would be this redemption, this, this final resolution. The, the story of the people of Israel over the years is just, you know, not a good track record of things, of disobedience to God and exile and, and, and punishment and all kinds of stuff that way. And, and they had hoped that there would be some kind of time when things would be made all right and it would be restored to the former glory uh, that they had known. And there was that redemption, there was that restoration, but it was, but, but it's different than what they were thinking. It was not so much the establishment of a of a new mighty power that would that would get out from underneath the boot of Rome. It, it, it was it was a greater glory of God to be displayed in transforming lives and changing the world uh, through the message of the gospel of Christ, the Son, the Son of the Living God. I'm grateful for old people in the scriptures. Uh, I, Mary and Joseph are a little bit younger, and that's okay. They're like kid, my kids, you know, kind of thing, you know, or or my grandkids, to be perfectly honest, probably more like it as I put some mileage on over the years. But you're never too old for use in God's kingdom. I don't care what 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 the magic number is for you today. You're never too old to be used of God. And the roles of Simeon and Anna are unique in the Christmas narrative, yet their hearts, their attitudes are timeless. They are the kinds of things of preparation and seeking and gratitude that we need 
we need to be capturing in our world today? Are you preparing your heart for use when God needs you? What are you doing to make yourself available to him? Are you searching for him so you're tuned to his voice so that when you're when you're coming into the place of the gathering of God's people, he's able to get your attention. He's able to use you to speak words of encouragement or truth to the lives of people around you. Are you searching for him to, to, to hear that voice? And then are you praising him and thanking him for all he has done, all he's going to do? These gifts from these two old people, and in some ways, uh, the older you get, they're not all so old. They're peers. Uh, but God can use a variety of folks. And in this particular story, I find uh, encouragement that they were the good quality people who lived with preparation and a seeking heart and grateful heart to God. Um so let me let me change our focus just a little bit, because what we want to do now is uh, be reminded of what Christ has done. Um, each each week, when individuals, families have lit one of these candles, they've looked forward to a particular aspect. We've talked about hope and joy, and peace and love. Uh, whether that's the order or not, but those four elements were included. This, this morning I want to focus on the one candle that we light now. And it's often referred to as the Christ candle. And it's the reminder of him as the center point for our celebration. In Luke 1, the scriptures say, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. The hope of the prophets, the warmth of the stable, the angelic announcement to the shepherds, the visit of the wise men. The focus of all these events is the birth of baby Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. Such a small baby as he lay in a manger. But this was the promised one who would bring redemption. Redemption from that first sin in the Garden of Eden to any sin in your life today, right now. A little baby was born to die, to conquer death, to reign forever as King of Kings, to one day restore complete peace and holiness to the entire creation. Creation. Jesus Christ is our hope. He is our peace. He is our joy. He is love, pure, holy, undying love. And the simplicity of John 3.16 says, Whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal, everlasting life. And so as 2 Corinthians 9 says, Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. 